Yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to go on. Episode of Breaking Lines. I'm your host, Zach Lowy. Here today with uh, some fellow UVA fans for another episode of Breaking Lines. We are going to be doing everything UVA podcast today. Um, and, you know, first I want to I wanna start, before we introduce everyone, I want to start with a little anecdote. Because I remember uh, about a year ago, I was in this exact same spot with, with uh, Haider Ajar, Marco Messina of Italian Football TV, and Arjun Pradeep. And Juve fan morale was at an all-time low, uh, or at least one of the lows. Leandro, Leonardo Bonucci had just gone to AC Milan uh, a few days ago. A few weeks ago, Juventus had crumbled in the second half to lose uh, 4-1 to Real Madrid in the Champions League final. And between the rumors of Alexander leaving and, well, Dani Alves had already left, uh, I would say that a lot of Juve fans were confused and frustrated. Um, fast forward a year, it's, it's, it's been a complete, complete 180. Um, Juventus have just signed Cristiano Ronaldo, the re- reigning blown door winner, but more importantly, the reigning back-to-back-to-back Champions League winner. They've signed Joao Cancelo. And it looks like they're going to be doing some more interesting business. So without further ado, let me introduce my guest, Rav Dillon of the legendary UBAFC.com. Hey, how you doing? Aaron West of Copa 90. How are you guys doing? And once again, Haider Jar of PTV. Hi, guys. How's everyone doing? Great. So it's um, I'm glad to have everybody here. Um, it should be a great podcast. And yeah, let's let's get right into it. Uh, how are you guys feeling? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good, to be honest. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> trending positively. I'd, I'd say. <laughs> For me personally, um, I started following Juve. Uh, in 1990 when Baggio went there and I was giddy with excitement when Baggio went there. I haven't felt that sort of excitement till now. So I'm over the moon and this is pretty much that scenario all over again for me. So, you know, this has been a, this has been a summer or a year, I should say, of 180s, right? Um, I, I think as any Milan fan will tell you, uh, Rav, right over here, went from pretty much being the number one enemy of Cristiano Ronaldo to <laughs> being his number one fan <laughs> in a few months, and he's not alone. <laughs> and by the way, great piece from Ramos Nathan on uh, Breaking Lines about the previous animosity between Bianco Neri and El Bicho. Um, so a lot of 180s going on. Um, I know for a fact that Aaron West here is went from in like about a year from being cut by Fox Sports to doing the crossbar challenge with Miralem Pjanic and Juan Cuadrado. So, <laughs> <Amazing>. <laughs> 180s are different. 
Um, but yeah, I I want to discuss. Um, I want to discuss that previous animosity towards Cristiano Ronaldo because everybody knows that Juve are or were Cristiano's favorite target while he was at Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that there was that's actually statistically accurate and Cristiano there was definitely a lot of love lost in that crucial game in the quarterfinals um and i just think it's extremely interesting how <laughs> probably at the peak of that animosity he decided to go to Real Madrid um do you feel like that previous uh, subsiding animosity. Do you feel like that has a is going to have a, any effect on the relationship between Juve fans and Ronaldo? I mean, I remember a few years ago when Suarez came to my club Barcelona, and I was like, "Damn!" I mean, maybe if he gets his act together, I can like turn a blind eye to everything. But I don't know. Still, like that personal, like I. I just felt the personal trepidation towards him. Uh, how how do you think this plays out with Ronaldo? I think I honestly think the the standing ovation in the stadium was the turning point. Uh, I think in that moment, Cristiano is a, he's an egotistic person, and for the Juventus stadium that is notoriously fickle, for those fans to stand and applaud him after he just destroyed Juventus, for those just. Not sorry, that he says standing up. Just the Juventus fans to stand and applaud him after he destroyed them was for him. I think the the huge turning point, and that's when he. I, I really do think that's when it was. It became a true possibility for him to come to Juve. He was like, "Wow, this is those fans. They don't do that for just anyone, and for for the Juve fans to to treat him in that with that sort of respect and reverence, I think was a huge turning point." Yeah, I mean, I I would pretty much agree with that. I think. Um... The, the fact that we was I think we were a, a goal down or a couple of goals down at that point. So I think there was probably a lot of animosity towards him sort of prior to that point. And you always hate the, the people that score against you. You always hate the people that are that are better than you. And I think for us, we've we've had a lot of players that perhaps can make a difference, but we've we haven't had I mean, literally, you look in the world today. There's there's two players that are that are kind of competing for for the the best player in the world, you know, sort of award, so to speak. And it's been a while since we've had anyone close to that. And getting someone like that, it it can not just change your opinion, but it it can change so much more than just the the sort of the footballing aspect of it. But yeah, going back to what Aaron said, I think, yeah, the, the standing ovation, I think that definitely played a part. And I think maybe his souring sort of relationship at Real in the background, maybe he, he sort of realized that, yeah, this, this is the, uh, the time to move on. And maybe, yeah, that, that standing ovation played a part in, in his decision-making. Yeah, the standing ovation definitely went a long way. But talk, but if we talk about whether this is whether his past is going to have any impact on his future relation with you fans, I don't think that's going to be any problem because once you don that shirt on, even if you are say, you know, um, even if you're Jonathan Zabina, you end up getting Juve love. It's as <laughs> simple as that, right? 
and i mean boom song got a lot of love and support by <laughs> by, by these fans so, so, so oh god so those were dark days <laughs> yeah so so that doesn't that doesn't that doesn't i don't think that's going to have any effect plus with the likes of players like you know cristiano ronaldo and even to some extent even when you consider players like ibra when they're playing against you you sort of like as an opposition you envy the teams that have these sort of players or ibra to speak so i if if i talk about it personally i always used to envy the fact that we didn't have ronaldo with us so it was yeah. there was an element of respect there as well and if there was any hatred towards him i think it stemmed from the envy of us not having someone like him now that we have him i don't care what anyone <laughs> else digs up from 4 years ago i don't care now he's ours and we have ronaldo and and it's now our turn to go you know to to be a, a little screaming fanboys for ronaldo something which which united and uh, Mid- madrid fans have been doing for so long i think that's a really good point just just really quickly i think that's a really good point is we are as, as a fan base i think juventini are, are very sort of I, i can't really think of any players that we really hate you know i think hate is a really strong word so i think sometimes you can be envious through uh not necessarily hatred but you sort of sit there and you think wow why can't we have one of these guys we've got a, a fantastic team of of really great players but why can't we have a difference maker I think we yeah. we looked for that for about 7 years and and we just we came close and and, uh, and we had some incredible incredible players now we've got someone that even at 33 can can turn a game you know like he can come off the bench and and do something so yeah it, it exactly what Haida said I think it's our time to to kind of just you know like like a pig in muck you know just really like revel in this and enjoy it and enjoy the fact that we've got one of the best players in the world and uh, he actually chose to come to Juve so yeah it's a big deal for us you guys feel just, like just one thing just one thing one player i still do not like marco materazzi go on <laughs> <laughs> of course yeah, good shout so oh, jo- sorry i just want to add as well and we have a perfect example in the team now gonzalo iguain was a player every single juventino hated he came over yeah. from napoli I admittedly wasn't super happy to see him come into Juve, <laughs> but I like I grew to like Gonzalo Higuaín. I grew to appreciate his contribution, and like I am a Gonzalo Higuaín defender. I don't think he's the greatest striker in the world, but I will defend him because I think he is a very good striker. Uh, but he was a Napoli guy that I hated, um, <laughs> and 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 a mini Juventini accepted. So it's it's not like there's not a precedent, and we're humans. We're wired to hate what we don't have and what we're opposing, and then to love. biasly what we have so it's just natural absolutely the same would have happened if we were if we would have gotten icardi i mean i mean come on he yeah. plays for inter more than we i don't we, i don't know about that i don't know i don't know if i could have embraced icardi <laughs> <laughs> speaking at a personal level no i i could never embrace that guy but if he's working as a as a you know like a juve player i i would literally accept it i think you get to that point just to go back to it but once you put on the shirt it's like okay whatever sort of animosity came before um you're now one of us and 
we're, we're pretty loyal, I would say, as a fan base. So we, we defend our players pretty well. I mean, we had Anelka and we had Bentner, for God's sake. You know, the guys barely played two games between them. And, and uh, you know, we, we haven't really sort of been too disparaging towards them. So, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Um, thank you for bringing that up, Aaron, because that was actually my next question. So it seems that with Cristiano coming in, uh, at least one striker will leave. So if it was up to you, who would leave between Gonzalo Higuain and Mario Mandzukic? Oh, don't ask me that. There's no question for me, it's <laughs> Gonzalo. <laughs> oh, well. There's no question for you Gonzalo would leave? or would Yeah, yes. Oh, okay. It would be Gonzalo to leave. Yeah. I, I love Mario Mandzukic. I've gone on national TV and said that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> so... So we're we're in agreement that you would sell Mansukic because it's because it's or sell sell Iguain because it's more financially feasible because you wouldn't be able to. Uh, re- if, if, if I may, if I may, there's another angle to it as well. Apart from the financial aspect, and and one of the reasons why I'm enjoying this talk is because sometimes I feel that especially Rav, he doesn't just give. Juve news, but sometimes what I feel, I think he articulates it better than even I could. And a few days ago, I think he tweeted something to the to the to the lines. Both him and Tarek, I think, tweeted something on the lines of, um, you know, getting this much amount for a 31 year old, while we probably while we spend more on a 33 year old, but that's Ronaldo, right? But so that's one financial aspect to it. The other thing is that I. Ever since this whole Ronaldo deal happened, I've been thinking about the various formations Allegri might play. And with Mandzukic on board, yes, he Allegri has gone on record to say that Mandzukic will play up front as the striker. And that pretty much means he well, plays as a backup to Ronaldo. But if things sort of like, if, if his hand is pushed and he decides to go with his five-star formation, Mandzukic on the left probably offers him some more tactical flexibility. So it just makes a lot a lot more sense uh, to have Mandzukic as a backup than Higuain. It, it also, for me, it's Mandzukic brings a fight, a grit, a determination that is so very Juventus that we haven't, like, I, I haven't seen in a player in a long time. I, I love what he brings to the team on the pitch, not just, not just that mentality, but he is a very good player. He's very versatile. But he, he brings a level of determination and just, like, he's great for the team. You see him joking around with his teammates, Mr. No Good. Like, he's a very serious person, but he also brings a lightness that I think you need that leadership in the locker room. And as much as Iguain is a great team player, he doesn't bring the same, and he also could bring a $60 million, So <laughs> That's, yeah, I, I'm, I think I'd go along with that. I mean, with Iguain, I, I have a massive like soft spot for him because I think I wanted him at Juve since just just for years but <clears throat> if you look at the two players you look at Mandzukic you can he, he quite literally played uh like a striker he played almost like a, a sort of a left wing he played left midfield he played left wing back he, play, he played left back and then he almost played center back at, at and, you, and you've points. seen the videos he can probably play in goal if you need him to <laughs> exactly there you go that's it and with Higuain, I think he sacrificed a hell of a lot last season in the sense that he, he barely scored, you know, like a fraction of the goals that he would have scored at, say, Napoli, or, you know, using the, the kind of approach that Sadi would use. Um, but I don't think he did it 
willingly in the way that Mandzukic did it. Mandzukic didn't sort of say anything about it. Not that Higuain did as well, but you could see the frustration on Higuain's face. And I think maybe he, he's sort of at that point where he feels like, okay, it, it's time to to kind of move on. And I really love him. I, I think he's a fantastic player. So I would really, I think begrudgingly, I would say, yeah, if, if you had to choose out of the two, it, it would be close. But I would say Higuain, but that's really just because I have a, a sort of a personal sort of affinity for the guy. But as as Haider and Aaron said, with Mandzukic, you, you don't just get a striker. You don't just get a number nine. You get so much more than that. And I think he's really well respected and, and sort of well loved in the team as well. So, yeah, begrudgingly, I would say Sally Wayne because there's the, the sort of possibility of cashing in as well. Unless someone pays $70 million for uh, Storaro, which I don't see happening. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> teams have yet to see the potential in Storado. He's just waiting for his breakout. And honestly, if the more you pay for him, the better of a player you're gonna get. That's, yeah, what, I mean, that's what I'm gonna say. He's 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 easily a 150 million pound player if anyone is listening to us. 150 million is a yeah. bargain for him. Yeah. 60 million. <laughs> so um Moving on from that, uh, you know, right, so Juve have signed Joao Cancelo, Cristiano Ronaldo, um, Mattia Perrin this summer, and they're chasing a few more. Um, do you feel like this is the peak, basically, of Fabio Paratici and Giuseppe Marotta's reign in power at Juventus? Do you feel like this is the best it has ever gotten? This Personally, is- yeah. I think this this is pretty much the I think everything has been building towards this. I think they've just been really responsible for for lack of a better word. I, they didn't they didn't spend money they didn't have. You know, they were really tight for lack of a better word. They were really sort of they they watched the the finances. They looked at what had been spent before they came in and they said, "Okay, this is what we can this is what we can buy." And they gradually got us to this point. And and no disrespect to other teams out there, no disrespect to Milan or anyone else. They didn't suddenly try and buy, you know, success by spending a small fortune and and not having it sustainable. They built something over a long period of time and they said, okay, now we get to this point and now we can say, okay, we we are in a position to spend this kind of money. So yeah, I, I get the feeling everything is is pretty much built towards this point. And I, I don't even feel like we would have expected it. It just came so out of the blue. We're, we're so used to the, those guys going after, like you know, the, the free transfer and um, making offers to sign someone on loan for for seventeen years, and and then we redeem them <laughs> in year eighteen or whatever. You know what I mean? It, it's just that, that that kind of mentality. So much so that even we kind of regurgitate what those guys say that we buy into that kind of mindset. So they go and sign Cristiano Ronaldo. You know, just out of the blue and, and, and pretty much blow everyone's mind. So, um, yeah, I, I just, I think this is, this is just beyond football. Just really quickly, I would say someone made a really good point. I think it was Adam Digby. He said, you're not signing like just a player. You know, Ronaldo is a business. It's, it's, it's not just what happens on the pitch. It's not just the goals. It's everything that goes along with it. It's all the fanfare and the shirt sales and the PR and the marketing and um, 
you know, right or wrong, whether you think of football uh, as a business, um, it, it's a really important thing for us. I think we needed to get to this point. So, yeah, you, you just literally take your hat off to Paratici and, and to, uh, to Beppe Morota and say, yeah, just amazing, absolutely amazing. Yeah, it, um, what I appreciate most about it is it's that they had a plan they articulated the plan, stuck to the plan, and executed it perfectly. Uh, I think it was like 2011, Andre Agnelli said, in less than 10 years, thanks to the new stadium, we'll be one of the strongest clubs in the world. Uh, just securing the stadium in a country like Italy, where you just don't do that. You don't have your own stadium. Um, to do that and then to build the infrastructure around it, to build a club, kind of to rebuild the club from the bottom up. Um, in 2013, he said, in five years, Juventus will be able to afford players like Cristiano Ronaldo. Five years later, Cristiano Ronaldo is a Juventus player. So for me, the fact that they have stuck with it despite a lot of criticism, um, they've had a plan, they've had the scouting network, the, the footballing knowledge to be able to execute the plan, to pick, to, to sign players at the, what could have been the end of their careers or at the beginning of their careers, uh, to find obs- moderately obscure players to have some misses. There have been a lot of misses along the way, but to still eat that and continue and stick with the plan, even when it doesn't seem like it's working. Uh, and that's where we are now. Juventus is one of the strongest clubs in the world again, and have brought a relevance back to Serie A, if we really want to be honest about it. Um, and it's, it's all the result of sticking to a plan. I agree with both of them, and I don't think there's much that I can add to it, with the exception of the fact that uh, that for me, still, that season where we got Vidal, Perlo, Licksteiner will always trump every other transfer market, because again, that set the platform and that set the tone for everything for years to come. But here, I would actually like to ask you guys a question. So the whole Zinedine Zidane reports uh, of him joining in either as assistant sporting director or sporting director or as an advisor. With, does that mean that this is probably Paratici's last year? In my mind, I, it, it kind of seemed as if he would join in an advisory role and then in like 2020, he would take over from, he would take over from Allegri. That's, that's yeah, how that's exactly it, would, yeah. it works in my head. <laughs> Hundred percent. Yeah, that's exactly how I saw it. Like, I mean, I, I think the the reliable people uh, that I think that we all follow in Italy all sort of dispelled that rumor and said it, it probably won't happen. It, it's far fetched. But for that moment, I, I saw it exactly as Aaron said that he would come in and it would be like a, like almost like a two year sort of apprenticeship. Not that he needs to be instructed on what happens at Juve because he's been there as a player. He he worked on the Lippi, so he knows exactly what he needs to do. But maybe just to sort of take a break from management and, and maybe sort of understand how Juve have developed and, and maybe understand. But he's worked as a sporting director himself, hasn't he? I think he did, yeah, at, at Real, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Oh, oh no, no, sorry. He was. I, I, no, he yeah. worked. I think he worked kind of in a, first in an advisory role, kind of tech, not technical director, sporting director, advisory role to Claudio. Uh, I can't even remember his last name. Um, <laughs> well, any, I can't remember names, but I think he worked in an advisory role in his kind of like an assistant coach and then a youth coach and then progressed to. to 
to be, being the first team coach. But I, my, huh. in my head, when I first heard the rumors, and I've always kind of like in the back of my head, because he's always stayed very close to Juve and uh, had very good things to say about the club. And anytime I hear like the briefest rumor, just my head starts racing, my <laughs> my thoughts start racing. So I was, <laughs> in my head, it was like Zidane would join a, in a kind of, Pavel Nieved role, a technical sporting director advisory role in behind the scenes learning how Juve does yeah. things, just learning more and more about the business of the sport and the behind the scenes of the sport. And then should Allegri decide to go on and move to England like he's spoken often, and it would be probably the time for him to move on. It, this game is cyclical. So it would be his, his probably the end of his cycle and then Zidane would step in. That would be That was like immediately what my mind raised to <laughs> The the only thing that I thought, the only thing that I'd add is that I thought maybe it would be like, uh, not a step down, but kind of, you've just won the Champions League and, you know, for the third season in a row, maybe it would be, again, like I say, not a step down, but maybe it would be, maybe he can go somewhere else and, and sort of continue coaching somewhere. That was the only sort of thought that went through my head is that why would he want to stop for a couple of years and not actually have his, his sort of hands on, you know, and, and, and actually do something in terms of managing games or what have you. But yeah, I mean, I, I suppose we, we sort of wait and see, but I, I get the feeling maybe he'll take a break. I think maybe he was, he was ready to, to sort of stop for a, for a little while. And part of me almost sort of thinks he'll take the French job maybe at some stage I, I don't know with Deschamps I think he uh, I don't know he, he, they just won the World Cup so it, it just seems like there's there's a lot of possibilities for him coming to Juve and, yeah, yeah. and taking a back seat maybe maybe he I don't know maybe he'll be happy with it maybe not yeah but the, and, and the thing is that it, it's going to be counterproductive for both mm. Allegri and Peretici to have someone Pretty much there, who yeah. they, they they would even though I understand that the atmosphere in the in the Juventus boardroom and in the management is very serene, but mm. yeah, basically like shoulder. Yeah, it's like it's kind of like Zidane is working as an intern right now too. Yeah, exactly. No, I I like it, I don't know if that. I mean, I honestly I think it's that's the wrong description because. I think a lot of these guys, Zidane is an intelligent, a very, very intelligent guy. He's always been an intelligent player. He's always been very keen to learn. And I don't think it's necessarily an internship for these guys when they're coming into one of the best run clubs in the world that they've had history with, where it's also he's just come from the pressure cooker that is Madrid for what three years, uh, where he doesn't necessarily ha want to the pressure of management or that day-to-day -day grind because being a manager – takes your yeah. whole life it takes your whole life um yeah. but he also those guys don't want to be away from football for too long <laughs> they want to be in that environment <laughs> because it's a comfortable environment it's it, you you hunger to be around the game so i think for him if like in like i don't again i don't think it's happening but if he did it yeah. i think it would be because it's it, he loves that type of environment and it's a, a less pressure-filled situation to become better as a, a football man Definitely. But I mean, w would it be something that we would agree to? I mean, we showed faith in Allegri. Allegri actually, you know, said that he turned down Real to, to stay at Juve. And um, would we then not necessarily sort of 
undermine him but would we then bring in Zidane to to kind of be there in the background and say okay well in two years time we know that you're leaving so here's the new guy um I don't know that it's that is interesting but Allegri strikes me as someone who just you can shoot straight with because he seems yeah, like a very yeah. shoot, straight shooter and he's like I probably want to go to England soon so this makes sense yeah <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or Roberto Mancini really screws up the national team and Allegri. Goes there. there you go. That's there an even go. better shout. Yeah, that's true. But to be honest, can I just say, I, I mean, just at a personal level, I would really love if Allegri just stays and we have not necessarily a, a sort of a like for like, but someone that's comparable to Lippi, you know, someone that really builds something and, and, somehow we convince him in two years or even not in two years time but a year down the line we convince him to sort of have an extension hopefully after winning the champions league and and he says okay well you know i can coach in the premier league five years down the line or something i don't know he's still a young guy so i also I think everyone knows how much you love allegri <laughs> i also don't think you can underestimate uh zidane's desire to be have the most complete repertoire in football history i mean this man has won multiple Ballon d'Ors. He's won a World Cup. He's won Champions League. He's won three Champions Leagues as a coach and hasn't lost a single one as a coach. And he's pretty much decided his own fate at for his retirement. I think that, you know, if, if you saw him go and replace Paratici and become uh, an influential director, I mean, that that's a, that's a repertoire, that's a resume that... I think few men on this planet uh, will <laughs> come close to achieving. Um, but I, I think it is a bit of a wild rumor, and I'm not completely yeah. sure um, this, if it will. But then, but, but then again, we signed Ronaldo, so anything can happen. Yeah. That is, this is true. Yeah. Um, true. yeah I'm, I'm trying to picture it, whether he'd be like a Champions League whisperer or like Pfizer. <laughs> yeah, I think it would be interesting. Um, but you know, I, now I want to turn to, um, I want to turn to a, a, a special player. So a year ago, I was discussing this, as I mentioned before, I was discussing uh, all things Juve with Marco Messina, Arjun Pradeep, and Haider over here. And I think I said something around, along the lines of, I think in a year from now, when we do this in a year from now, 2018, Paolo Zibala will be coming off a, an amazing World Cup. He'll have one of the breakout stars and he'll have gotten his move to Real Madrid and Barcelona. <laughs> Turns out that neither of those things were remote to Dybala barely played a minute in the World Cup and um, it seems still he's going to definitely stay put in Juventus. Um, but, you know, I think personally with, with Ronaldo there, just ready to rack up all the goals with uh, Costa, Douglas Costa, really finding life after Bayern with, with Juventus and Brazil, just having the form of his career. I, I think that maybe Dybala will have some of the spotlight taken off him, and I think that's a good thing. I think that as a result, I, I'm actually calling for Dybala to be top 5, top 10 um, in the Ballon d'Or mm-hmm. uh, in 2020, because I'm, I'm expecting big, big things from him. Um, kind of as a mixed creator and as a mixed goal scorer. Um, I think he'll come really good with working with Ronaldo and Costa. So, yeah, what, what are your expectations? How are you, how are you feeling towards uh, 
what Dybala's role will be in this coming. Well, <clears throat> for, for, for starters, one thing is for certain. The, the way Messi um, influenced him not coming on that much during the World Cup, he's definitely not going to Barca at this point in time. <laughs> um, but, but with regards to Dybala, right? So Dybala is someone who I think every Juventus fan loves him like their own brother or their own child, right? And they want him to do well. And that is something which you and which which was obvious that during even during some of his bad spells, the love and attention he got from all Juve fans remained consistent, and everyone loved him for it. You remember the dry spell that he went through, no assists, yeah. no goals, and all of that. But what has happened over the last year, and this is where I think maybe it's it's the optimist in me who wants to field a team of Dybala, uh, Ronaldo and Douglas Costa playing together. But the way he has changed his game over the last year, where he's getting more involved, dropping in deep, picking up the ball a lot more, getting more involved in the game. And even for a few minutes that he was on during the World Cup, you saw him dropping deep and picking up the ball and getting more involved in the play. I think that he can really benefit with someone like Ronaldo playing with him. So I think this overall, not only will this be good for Juventus as a whole, on an individual level, as you said, the spotlight will be shifted from him. Secondly, you will get to see the creative side of Dybala come into play a lot more. Because previously, I think that after this kind of start he had this previous season, everyone expected him to score goals a lot more. When you really see Dybala come into his own, when he's, you know, doing these little flicks and these little passes and these little one-twos with players on, on the right flank or in the middle. So I think right now would be the ideal time for Dybala to play off of Ronaldo and, mm -hmm. you know, show his true potential. Yeah, I I'm think a, I agree with that. No, no you, no, you go ahead, man. It's all good. Uh, so, so I think I'm I'm pretty excited about this Ronaldo move for Dybala because I think it helps him in a couple of ways. Uh, it gives it completely, not completely, but largely takes the pressure off his shoulders to be the main man to to step up. But I think he hasn't at times stepped up, but not a, in a way that we really hoped he would. Um, but I think having a champion like Ronaldo to could deflect the the spotlight, but also learn from and lean on will be huge for him. Tactically, I'm really excited to kind of, I, I think he'll kind of be used in a dual role. Uh, I think against lesser teams, maybe in Syria, he'll, he'll kind of play behind the striker. And like a 4-2-3-1 will probably play with two midfielders uh, with like Douglas Costa on the left and either Bernardeschi or Quadrado on the right um, with, with Dybala kind of just having the freedom to roam off of Pjanic and, and Chan and do his beautiful little things. Um, and then I think in, in, in heavier crunch Champions League matches, I, I would like to see a midfield three with, with like Matuidi, Chan, and, and Pjanic or whatever combination that is with Douglas Costa and, and Dybala off of Ronaldo. I think that would be, I think that would be a fantastic recipe for success in Champions League with Douglas Costa and Dybala having freedom to kind of roam and Douglas Costa like hugging that left flank, whipping in crosses, Dybala can tuck in. Cancelo can get up the wing on the right. So I, I think dual roles for him is is the way to success. 
and the thing is just, that, sorry sorry rav just no, just one thing. Go ahead. and go ahead. and you don't need to have a traditional um front three when these three are playing right they can right. play a lot closer uh, than than you usually see wingers play so it can actually be a christmas tree formation later on if 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 that's if that's something that they're looking for in this aspect definitely i think absolutely <clears throat> excuse me i think um with Dybala, I remember that first season when he played off Mandzukic and we, we, we sort of stuck to that kind of 3-5-2 and, and playing a front two. And he was pretty prolific. And I think that there's kind of a part of me that feels like he needs to be playing further up to see the absolute best of him because he was the kind of player that could take a touch, take another touch and then shoot. And his finishing is, is pretty clinical. And to exploit that, you need to have him playing almost off a, a sort of a typical number nine. Um, and that there's a side of me that wants to see him play that role more. But then when you sign a Ronaldo, you know, what do you do? You, you kind of have to compromise. Um, I mean, what you guys said, I, I think maybe four, two, three, one would, would probably be the best way forward with him playing a, a slightly sort of deeper role and feeding Ronaldo and, and playing just behind because I don't think Ronaldo is going to have the, the sort of engine to maybe do all the legwork. He, he's up there to, to sort of finish. My only concern is that, and again, this is not sort of restricted just to Dybala, but do you in some way kind of compromise the, the way that we play because we sign a Ronaldo? It's a nice problem to have. I think the real test now is for Allegri. How does he manage to bring all these champions, bring all these very talented attacking players? Because we have got, now, especially one of the best attacks in Europe, if not the best attack. How do you balance all this? How do you accommodate everyone? How do you get the best out of the attack to the point where we're consistently scoring and we're not worrying about, you know, unlocking defenses? How do you also accommodate all these players as well? How do you say, okay, well, you've got a Dybala who's the future, but you've got a Ronaldo who's, I suppose, also, also our, our sort of immediate future as well. How do you, you know, bring a balance to all this? Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting just to see how Allegri approaches this. How do you know what, what does he what does he decide to do? Does he play a midfield three and then does he play Dybala to the left? I think we've all seen him play in a slightly wider role and realised that maybe that doesn't work the best for him. But then does signing a Ronaldo give you that kind of flexibility in the attack where these three are sort of almost interchangeable? Um, yeah, it, it, I'm, I'm not resigned or are not set to any one particular formation i think this is really a sort of a beautiful problem for allegri to have where he's got players like bernadeschi and he's got Ibala and he's got costa and he's got ronaldo and quadrado as well and then manzukic how do you bring all these players into play not upset anyone by you know sort of playing ronaldo too frequently do you just keep ronaldo for the big games do you just gradually integrate him and then bring him into the second part of the season where we typically do better. Um, I don't really have any set ideas. That, that's my sort of long-winded way of saying that I don't really expect any one particular thing. I'm pretty much happy to to see how Allegri approaches this and how he kind of accommodates everyone and, and brings the best out of what I would say is probably the best attack in Europe. Yeah. I do have Sorry, Aaron. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I actually do have one concern, though, because mm. I was, you know, while while 
covering the World Cup, I was sitting with my friend who, and we sort of like, we we're, were football geeks who go over all these stats and all these different things together. And there was this one alarming stat, which I went through, uh, which would be a problem for Allegri as well. Over the last four years, the two players who run the least in a game are Messi and Ronaldo. At an average, mm -hmm. they run less than two kilometers or three kilometers a game, which is an alarming stat, which is an alarming stat, right? <laughs> so, so that automatically means that obviously Ronaldo isn't going to track back. We all knew about that. So that means you need to have people in your midfield who can track back and who can also help out the defense, right? And in that, yeah. in that, that point, in, in that aspect, I mean, even though I love Bentoncourt, but I don't see him fitting in because of that. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that that's 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 a huge concern for me. So when when yes, it's a, it's it's going to be interesting to see how Allegri manages his attacking options. I'm a lot more concerned about how he juggles his midfield options because yeah. Uh, yeah. because That's... you need you need you need to not only just provide the defense with the cover but if Ronaldo isn't running that much that means that he's waiting for service to you know to, to for balls to reach him and for that you need to strike the right balance in the midfield Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I do think that's why I lean towards believing Allegri will go with a midfield three in Champions League because you will need more legs because Ronaldo's not going to do it. Gonzalo Higuain was a player who would track back and work for you on, on defense. He was, Mario Mandzukic, if he's ever at the striker position, will run his ass off for you. Uh, Gonzalo Higuain <laughs> was very underrated in that respect. I think a lot of people don't realize the work that he put in on both ends of the ball. Uh, or both sides of the ball. But Ronaldo's probably not going to do that. And he's not going to be expected to do that. His job now is probably going to be an out-and-out -out pure poacher, which is why we bought him, which is why he's... And he's the best in the world at it. Um, so I don't... I think in, in Serie A, it won't be a huge worry because in general, but a, a, against the Napolis of the world, the the, the Romas, I think we, we may go with a more robust midfield three to kind of make up for that lack of effort that's going to be on his part. But then again, it's also we have seen Ronaldo be unselfish at times for Real Madrid and 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 track back at times and and pull out wide and and cover and and be a leader on the pitch where when he really wants to get the job done. So I don't think we can we will expect to see much defensive effort out of him. But I also think Allegri will be prepared to cover for that. But also on the other the aspect of our our the rest of the squad and balancing it. I think one of the, the really good things that they, the management has done is to buy versatile players like a Bernardeschi who can play anywhere in the midfield, in, in the attacking midfield. He can play on the left. He can play through the center. He can play on the right. Uh, Cuadrado can play right back in a pinch. Uh, he could play on the left of midfield, the right of midfield. Um, so I, I think we, we have a lot of players who can kind of move around. We can, we can swap them around and, and fit them into the places throughout the season because it is a long season. Uh, but I, I mm -hmm. at yeah. this point, I do have faith in Allegri's ability to do it. I, I'm really, but the funniest thing I think is going to see if he's going to have Ronaldo sitting on the bench in September, <laughs> uh, learning <laughs> learning the Juve style of play. <laughs> uh, that's that's the only thing I'm really worried about. <laughs> I think he has to throw off the chains. I mean, one kind of 
thing that I saw last season in particular, and, and this is not a criticism, so to speak, but if you look at the attack that we had last season, there is no way on earth that we should have been struggling for goals. Um, I think maybe the midfield was was lacking, and I think that kind of connection is what cost us and what maybe made the title race that all you know all that closer because you think you look at the attack that we had Iguain, Dybala, Costa, Cuadrado, Mandzukic and, and uh, Bernadeschi I can't really think of any European sides that could honestly do better you know in, in terms of fielding that kind of attack or having those kind of attacking options and I think Allegri played it very cautious and I, I do love the guy but at the same time I think he maybe he prescribed a little bit to this kind of Lippi school of thought whereby it's all about the result, you know. Let's let's just go out there, win. That's all that matters. Get the three points, and it's three points on the scoreboard. And now, you know, it takes us closer to the title. What I would really love to see this season, in particular, is him to say, "Okay, well, you know what? I've now got Ronaldo, and he's not necessarily going to track back. He's not going to necessarily run up and down the wind like Manzuki or Cuadrado. He's going to play in the box, and let's try and accommodate him. Let's just take the." the shackles off and let's say, okay, we've got a strong enough and robust midfield that can do the the sort of dirty work. Let's push forward. Let's really just capitalize. Let's tear City apart, but more importantly, let's tear the Champions League apart. Let's really push and let's win this trophy at last. Let's really set a marker, you know, not play cautiously, not play in terms of get a result. I wouldn't mind if we went out there and won, you know, 3-1 or, or 4-2 or something like that. I really, I know in, in seasons past, it would be more kind of economical to say, okay, well, we got the three points and that's all that matters. Let's play a more attacking style of football and let's throw caution to the wind a little bit more. That's what a signing like Ronaldo should be all about, for me at least anyway. I just want to, I just want to correct myself over here. I said they run, what, two or three kilometers Every game, they in fact run two or three kilometers less than everyone else. So they still probably are running what seven, eight, nine kilometers, but it's still less compared to the others on the pitch. So they're doing doing the least amount of one work. Yeah, it, Carry it on. Is, is that that's always a really interesting. Just as a side point, that's always really interesting to me because I, I have watched. I've grown up watching Messi. I love Messi, uh, and just to watch him on the pitch, it's really interesting because at long periods he walks. He walks and you see him walking, but it's like you see him watching the whole time. Like I'm, I'm obsessed with 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 a lot of these players because there's I, like the intelligence on the pitch is a really interesting thing for me. But you just see him watching and watching, and all of a sudden he sprints, and the play it hasn't even gotten to a point where he will be involved, and all of a sudden he scored. Just to that that intelligence to to read the game, but also it's a privilege to be afforded to be able to, to walk. Uh, but now maybe you've built a team where we can have a Ronaldo that walks. So that's a positive in my book. <laughs> Definitely. No, I agree with that. I think if you if you build a team strong enough, you, you can have that kind of player that's almost not necessarily a luxury, but someone that can, exactly what Aaron said, someone that can read the game so well that they can anticipate what's going to happen and just take it a couple of touches and and bang, just just score the crucial goal. I think Ronaldo is is going to be the the difference maker for us. Even at thirty three, I mean, the guy literally plays like a twenty five year old. So, yeah, we we've we've done something pretty incredible here by signing him. I think. 
So, uh, Aaron, you got to leave soon. So I just want to get uh, one point in from you as I introduce my next topic. Um, how crucial is it, or is it not crucial at all, I think, as, as some UVA fans have indicated, how crucial is it that Alexandra stays? Um, here's the thing. I, I think, I think Alexandra is a very important piece of this team. And I think he's a fantastic player. I, I think one of my favorite tweets is just me like begging for him to come to UVA <laughs> like way back in the day. Um, and I love Alexandro, but I don't think it's a make or break thing for Juve. I think the team is strong enough to where, and it's, if we're going to be completely honest, if you have to lose a strong player, fullback is the place you want to do it. It's arguably the least important position on the pitch. I don't want to like classify or hierarchy. Don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> I don't want to do that. I don't. No disrespect. I I had I played fullback. And I I did it a little bit when I had to in my play my very short playing career, but. I arguably, if you're going to lose a player, that is where you do it. I don't think we'll lose Alexandro. I think the the chatter has died down enough. I don't think there is a big enough market uh, for him to leave. PSG is still on the horizon, yes. But I honestly think with, with Ronaldo in, with Emre Chan coming in, with Cancelo coming in, with the team that we have there now, I, I think it would be foolish for Alexandro to leave uh, unless someone came in with a big offer and turned his head. But I, I again, I would love to see him stay, but should he leave, I don't think it's a make or break for us. Um, I think we would bring in someone who would be comp- a, a good player for us. I, I don't know who it would be. I don't. Uh, I am actually the only left back I like more in this world is Marcelo. I've been like a big <laughs> Marcelo stand for a very, very long time. I love him, not just as a player. Like I, I don't know him personally, but I everything I've seen from him makes me love him as a person. So I think that having him, who he's also a huge, he's he and Ronaldo are, are great friends. I don't think it's gonna happen, but I could see it. Uh, one of my best friend is a Real Madrid fan, so we've talked it out. Like it, it, I could see it happening. He's been at Real Madrid forever. Uh, again, don't put me on record as saying I think it's going to happen, <laughs> but I could sit if Alexandra left for a big sum. I could see like a Marcelo coming in to to further strength the team. I don't and I don't know. I think I think Marcelo coming in would be a, another big boon for this team because he's won so many Champions Leagues because his his attitude is so infectious. So long. That was a long-winded way to say, I hope Alexandro does not leave, but if he does, I don't think it'd be the end of the world. I think it's. I think this team is all about balance, just yeah. finding the right player in every single position, and I don't feel that we've really had that. I don't think... I think that maybe the closest that we came was 2015 when we played against Barcelona in the, in the Champions League final, but that was maybe the the closest that we had to having a complete squad in the turn in the sense that we had world class world class players in every single position um i wouldn't want to see alexandra leave because i think he maybe had a season that was a little bit indifferent and maybe his head was turned and i think allegri mentioned something about him having some kind of issues off the pitch and maybe that sort of haven't had an impact but if you put that to one side if you look at the team um, as it stands now, with without thinking about the departure of Rugani or anyone else, I think the team is probably the most complete that it's been in some time. Perhaps lacking 
maybe one midfielder and and that's about it um and having that complete balance in every single position where you've got not just a brilliant player that can start but someone that can substitute in the the sort of lesser games against the, the slightly uh lesser opposition in city so we can rest players i think we we probably are the strongest that we've been in some time so i think we really need to make a a concerted effort to keep Alexander, maybe giving give him an improved contract and maybe pay him a little bit more and, and tie him down to something a bit long term. If you were to leave, um, I think as Aaron said, literally the, the the second best player that you could get is, or, or not even the second best, but the, maybe the the comparable player that you can get is someone like Marcello, and and he would bring so many good things to Juve. Beyond that, you know, what's the alternative? We sell Alexander and we. We play Dishilio at left back, or yeah. we sign Darmian and, and maybe, you know, like try and play him. Nothing against those players. I think they're both good players. But Alexander is the kind of guy that if his if his head is straight and if he's completely committed to Juve, he can be a difference maker in a game. So for me personally, I think we have to do everything to keep him. And then we're more or less set for the season ahead. So you said one more midfielder. You said maybe one more midfielder. Um, so, you know, in previous years, like 2015, 2017, 20, so on, so on, there's been kind of one thing perhaps that defines Juve. From uh, sorry, to, sorry to interrupt. I got to run, boys. No worries. Thank you, guys. Okay, Aaron. Okay, Aaron, take care. Take care, Aaron. It was good to talk to you. Yeah. What's up, Juve? Enjoy you. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, going on to my point, I think there's always been kind of something, one another, that de- separates Juve from the the others, the, the winner. Or, I mean, yeah. I think in 2017 it was probably attacking quality. You know, you saw like James Rodriguez not even on the bench, Real Madrid bringing on Gareth Bale and Marco Senzio while, while Juventus are subbing on like Lamina for Dibala. <laughs> Yeah. No disrespect to Lamina, by the way, because I think he's, I he's a fine player. But and, and, okay, so then go fast forward next year. All right, so they've got some attacking quality now. I think that after just the incredible Mercado that they've had, I think that one 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 player or one area where they may want to improve on is a midfielder. Not not overly expensive, probably like twenty five million. I know they're looking yeah. at Golovin. They may want Priet or somebody. But not too expensive. Yeah. It's so, you know, now after this just incredible summer, do you feel like there's anything that's really holding Juventus back that, that you can possibly see holding Juventus back from uh, winning the Champions League? Or let's be real, winning, winning a treble because nobody in Italy is challenging them for us. <laughs> I think, um, I, I think, the I, mid- I, I'd like, so, I'd no, like, sorry, go ahead, Ida. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah, so, sorry. Uh, the thing is that uh, you know, I, I, before addressing this question, I'd like to go back to what Rav was saying about the whole left back situation. The thing is that we want, with Ronaldo on board, we want more balls in the box, as many balls in the box as possible, right? So we need good crossing ability coming from our flanks. Cuadrado, as much as we love him, right? Only two out of his 20 crosses actually end up in the right places. So that's a huge issue. Where if, if Ronaldo is there, you need 
more support there. That's one thing. The other thing is that if Alexandro does go, right, and you can't replace him with a Marcelo, then the names that Rav just mentioned, all of them leave a clear weak spot in our starting eleven. That is the left fullback position. And even frankly speaking, even with Cancelo, we'd, we're not certain how he's going to fare on the right as a, as a right back. Secondly, and this is where um, I think I have a bigger concern. I've, I've already made, shared my concern with regards to the midfield. But the centre-back pairing is also going to be of huge um, you know, significance for me. Because we were... We, we thought that Drogani was being groomed for this. We thought that by this year, the centre-back pairing would be Bonucci and Rogani, right? If Bonucci isn't there, we thought it would be Kilini and Rogani. If it wasn't going to be Kilini, we thought it would be Benatia and Rogani. So that's not happening clearly now. And with ben, ben, Benatia, even though Benatia had a wonderful season, my concern is that he was still prone to those lapses in concentration. So mm -hmm. maybe this is me trying to still somehow bring back the underdog tag back. But I still see some <laughs> glaring issues in, in the lineup. And we still have the end of the uh, summer, summer transfer window to address these. Yeah, I, th I, think, um, I think a lot will depend on the departures that are maybe coming up. I think looking at maybe Urugani leaving, I don't think we've ever entered a season where we've had less than five very good centre-backs. So I think that is, is something that will be addressed um, sort of unto itself. I think that's that's something that we need to look at. But beyond that, I think the, the midfield is something that really needs addressing. I think we need to have somebody that can provide that kind of world-class quality in midfield so that we don't end up in a position where we were last season where we played many different formations many different variations but the 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 big sort of glaring problem that we had was that the attack was absolutely you know it, on paper at least it was absolutely fantastic the defense was also set we had really quality fullbacks even though uh, Alexander didn't play his best. We had Asamoah playing there, but the midfield was a big sort of letdown. So if if our intention now is to go ahead in this coming season and really make a very competitive attempt to win the Champions League, we have to make sure that we do not have any deficiencies whatsoever in the squad that we are able to alternate and play maybe what you would classify as the lesser midfielders and the lesser uh, fullbacks and lesser centre-backs against the likes of, um, no disrespect to them, but teams like Kiev or, or Sassuolo or teams like that, so that we're not dropping off in any way in the league. But at the same time, we're able to say, okay, well, we've got a midweek game where we can play our very best sort of A team, you know, so to speak. And I think... Keeping Alexander is a big part of that, and I would hope that maybe bringing Ronaldo is is enough to to keep him at the club, and then also address this deficiency that we've had in midfield, and and maybe bring in another quality midfielder, um, not without spending a fortune, but you know someone that can that can plug the gap, so to speak. 
I think that Alexandra's most likely destination, I think if he does leave, he will go to PSG and learn under Tomas Tuchel. Um, But I also think that there's a possibility that Bonucci, after one year, uh, leaves for PSG. And it really kind of caught my mind how I really do think there is some kind of indirect rivalry between Juventus and PSG, even though they haven't played each other in in the Champions League um, in this era. And even though that, I mean, neither of them have won the Champions League. I think that kind of grows into it. Um, You know, two European heavyweights, both of them have constantly, uh, you know, fell prey to Real Madrid and Barcelona, just come up short. And I really do think there is kind of a, a contest amongst those two um, for who can win the Champions League, uh, you know, first in this in this century. Um, and I think with Buffon going to PSG and with Dani Alves going to PSG and possibly Sandro and Bonucci going to PSG, um, and of course Ronaldo, who was linked with PSG, going to Juventus, uh, do you think there is any, any kind of uh, subliminal rivalry between these two clubs in terms of kind of a, an arms race and who can who can be the first to capitalize off the you know win win a Champions League in the Real Madrid era pretty much Zach first of all uh this reminds me who are you backing to win the Champions League this year <laughs> next coming in yeah i'm uh, as 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 it stands right now i'm, I'm backing Atletico de Madrid to, to wow. win the Champions League yeah i know it's I know it's the biggest shout, but I'm, I just I really like the business right now. I think that if uh, if they get Gelson and um, I think that their their other business sounds really good. Um, it has been really good. So yeah, I'm gonna go out. I mean, hopefully it doesn't end as as poorly as my Dybala prediction <laughs> last year. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it did though. But that's that's just my prediction right now. Um, I'll make my official pick when when the transfer markets are all over. But yeah, right now I would actually say that Atletico de Madrid are my are my picks personally. Um, what about you guys? Um, for me personally, I think uh, no sort of arrogance or, or sort of inflated ego yeah. or anything like that. But Get I think Juve really need to be the the Juve uh, really need to be. Among the favourites, I think we, we we went to Madrid last season with a, a really improved attitude, if nothing else. I, th- I think maybe sort of being behind in that leg um, motivated us in a big way to come so close uh, against a team like Real in their backyard. Really, that's the kind of victory that I think we should take hope from. So beyond the fact that we've weakened a, a direct rival beyond the fact that maybe PSG have you know sort of upgraded in a, to a certain extent and maybe uh Barcelona are, are pretty much at the same level i think we we need to ride the momentum in this big improvement in our squad and i think we need to i think we need to believe that's i think that was one of the biggest problems that we had as as a team was this lack of faith. I think we maybe sometimes in the Champions League games we we kind of look at looked at the opposition and thought we're not really deserving to be in this position, or maybe there's this sort of inferiority complex, and we need to 
say to ourselves, look, we are now at a level uh, the same as Real and the same as Barca and the same as PSG. We have a, a difference maker and the kind of guy that can turn a game on its head. So we have to now start thinking at the same level as these other teams. So for me, we should be favorites. And that's not arrogance. That's not someone thinking, oh, you know, we're better than the rest. That's said with the utmost humility, but we have been knocking at the door for so long. We need just need a little bit of luck to go our way. And we now have these difference makers. So, yeah, we, we have to be in this mix. We have to be in the equation. We have to start talking about the Champions League as a realistic perspective. And we have to feed that into the mentality of the players. And we have to say to them, look, you guys are ready to win the Champions League. You've been there or thereabouts. You've made the finals. This time round, you know, ride the wave. Just believe that you're going to have the luck. And let's win it this time round. Yeah. Hider, what about so, so I'm I'm probably the the true definition of a blind fan. Um, I backed Juve to win the Champions League, even with Jokinta and uh, Amauri at front. So, um, <laughs> so, so I'm probably the worst person to ask this question because I I believe that way. I mean, I I always back Juve every single time, even though. You know, when you when you look at the 2015 um, run to the Champions League final, we didn't back ourselves to get there. Yet we were there, right? But, and I think Rav also tweeted about this, that after Cardiff, the whole last season had a very gloomy feel to it. Absolutely. It was probably the one time we started a season where I didn't feel that we would win the Champions League. Yeah. Or do well in the Champions League, right? It had that gloomy feeling. I mean, for me, yeah. the highlight of the entire last season was that second leg against Tottenham. That was the highlight for me because um, I'm not talking about it from the context of quality of play, but I think just the relief that we were able to beat Tottenham um, under those circumstances was the highlight for me. So I felt... So last year was probably my most pessimist as a Juve fan, mm -hmm. right? Definitely. But this year, this year, I mean, yes, I'm always going to back Juve, but I personally think the reason I'm going to back Juve this time around is because I think the main competition they'll face is not going to be from the Spanish teams because I, I think Barcelona, after this entire World Cup, It'll, it'll take some time for them to get into the groove. Yes, maybe by the business end, they're in the shape that they want to be. No one can right now back Real Madrid simply because we don't know how they're going to, um, you know, stack up. And with Atletico, Atletico is always there, but you still fancy yourself to outdo Atletico. Um, it's the English clubs. It's not even Bayern at this point in time. It's the English clubs. Because now... They also are setting their sight on this one particular prize. If we're hungry for this, they're hungrier as well. And so for me, it's going to be Juve. And the closest competition would probably come from some English side. All right. So Juve and some English side. I think that's, that's an interesting point. Yeah. Um, so I, I believe that there were some reports came out um, that Federico Bernadeschi was actually going to be 
uh, pretty much the the team's attacking leader, team's creative leader, um, going into this preseason. So you know, I think that do you do you think I I personally think that Juve will either sign a midfielder or Allegri will play Bernadeschi a lot in midfield this season, either as a four two three one or four three three. Um, or something else. I, I think he'll be seeing a lot more games this season. Um, yeah, what what are we expecting of Bernadeschi's role? Really didn't didn't get much game time last season, but what are we expecting uh, from Bernadeschi this this coming season? Just a, at a sort of a personal level. I mean, looking at what he achieved in a lot of cameo appearances, he wasn't necessarily a starter. I think he was very much playing off the bench or almost sort of like a, a kind of an impact player when he got a full 90 minutes he was really really good so i would hope that allegri kind of take takes notice of that and starts actually playing him as i would hope as a starter but then you you kind of then factor in um do you play dibala on the left if you're playing uh a four-three-three, or do you then uh, play Dybala through the middle as a four-two-three-one? I think I really feel like Bernadeschi has, has actually earned his starting spot in in the uh, in the starting eleven. I would hope that sort of ideally we play a four-two-three-one with a, a sort of a two-man midfield in the games that really matter. And Bernadeschi was on the pitch as well because I think he's the kind of guy that when you give him a full ninety minutes, he's the kind of guy that can can make a difference in a game. Um, I suppose that's really going to be limited to the Champions League, and maybe Allegri will have the flexibility to to switch between the league and then the Champions League. But I, I suppose it's kind of hypothetical for the moment, really, to be honest. Yeah, uh, with regards to me um, and Bernadeschi, uh, I really like him. I've always liked him. Even when he was at Fiorentina, I liked him. And I really want him to do well. But the thing is that, yes, he was unlucky with the injuries and everything. Right now, the only thing I can think of is that he will probably be above Cuadrado in the pecking order. That's the only thing I can think of. Because... Because, because apart from that, I don't see him starting as much as we would like for him to see. Because as Aaron said, the more you think about this team, right, the more balance, I mean, the, it, it seems that the balance can only be right when there are three, mid, three midfielders, right? Mm-hmm. But if you play with 4-2-3-1, which I think they should against lesser oppositions, right, which they should, then probably he'll get more time. But even in that aspect, you have you you clearly see how much Allegri likes Manzukic. So he might still utilize Manzukic on one flank and try to you know play someone who's not naturally fitted to be on the right side to come in and fit in on the right side of the flank and have the ball up mm-hmm. play through the center. So I mean it's 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 a good problem to have as you know for Allegri. But I, I'm not too sure how much game time Bernadeschi gets. I hope he gets a lot more. But right now, I'm not too sure. I think looking at this, this in terms of the players that Juve have signed, I think 
exactly as as uh, Haida said, I think is a good problem to have. I think we have a lot of depth in the squad as we had last season, but the problem being last season, we maybe maybe we we, we sort of um, we struggled to kind of balance the team in terms of the Champions League and Syria, and then we had losses against Lazio and Sampdoria and various others. And uh, Napoli really ran us close. This season round, I think we need to make a really positive start to City A and perhaps build a, a bit of a, a gap. Um, and from that point onwards, maybe we can then start to sort of alternate the team. I think Allegri is the kind of guy that can really play with a degree of flexibility. I don't think he's tied to any one formation. I think he likes to have 4 3. And then we'll see, you know, like he'll, he maybe he'll play 4-3-2-1 uh, or maybe he'll play 4-3-1-3 uh, sort of, you know, it's, it's all going to be a mix. Um, but yeah, I think we I think we've we've kind of got to that point where we're now in a situation where we have a degree of flexibility in the team where we can alternate games and we can sort of try different formations in the league in terms of winning games and guaranteeing three points, but the Champions League should really be the focus. That should be the way that we're, we're sort of thinking now. So, so I mean, you know, it's I think that Juve's biggest uh, issues last season were in the midfield, you know, kind of a hard time, kind of a hard time finding that link between midfield and attack. Um, it seems like, Allegri will continue with his three-man midfield, though. Um, of course, that's always due to change. I mean, Allegri has, has shown incredible tactical flexibility throughout his time at Juventus, um, but I think that it will be a 4-3-3 at the start, at least. Um, what do you think is the most likely, or what do you think is going to be the most common midfield for Juventus this season? Personally, I think it's going to be uh, Blais Matuidi, Marilyn Pjanic, and Emre Can. I think I, I would agree with that. I, I think definitely he will probably go with a three-man midfield. I think that's always been his sort of MO. He he prefers to play 4-3 and then we'll see. Um, so I think he will probably look towards having a really robust midfield that kind of covers all the bases. So having someone like Pjanic that can kind of string things together and then having someone like Matuidi that can kind of do the, the sort of dirty work and then having Emre Chan who maybe can sort of string the attack and the, and the, the defense together and then from there he'll he'll sort of build on that so it will either be 4-3-2-1 or 4-3-3 but the three-man midfield should really be the base uh, going forward not just in the league but in the Champions League as well. Yeah, Hyder. Um, it's frozen. Um, yeah, yeah. Hyder. Anyways, um, yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. Um, but I also think that Bernadeschi will see some minutes. Um, in mid. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, no. Do you feel like this is going to be a breakout season for Bentancur, or you? What What do you think are the the aspects? Because as we've seen in the World Cup, you know Bentancur, Rodrigo Bentancur, is ridiculously talented, and I mean he proved it at Juventus. 
proved it at Boca too. Um, what do you mm-hmm. think are the basically the aspects that are holding Benton Kerr back from being a starter at Juventus right now? Sorry, guys. Third world internet got disconnected <laughs> in between. No worries. So what the question, Hyder, was what do you what do you think are the uh, aspects holding Benton Kerr back from being a starter at Juventus? Um, sorry, you might have to repeat the question again because yeah, I'd lost you there somewhere. So okay, so Rodrigo Benton Kerr, as we've seen in the World Cup, as we've seen at Juve and at Boca Juniors, incredibly talented midfield player, but yeah. I mean, he's still not. I mean, of course, he's not a starter yet. I mean, he's incredibly young. What do you think? As as I was just mentioning to Rab, I think that midfield three for next season will be Emre Can, Marilyn Pjanic, and Blas Matuidi. What do you think are the main aspects holding Benson Kerr back from being a starter at Juventus? And and do you well, uh, soon? I I actually I actually I actually like Benton Kerr, and I think I man I mentioned this earlier as well that I I see a problem for. His kind of player fitting into that through a midfield three, especially when you want, when you know Ronaldo is going to track back. So that means you need to specialize in one area or the other. That is either they're good when it comes to interceptions, or they're good when it comes to breaking up attacks, or when they or their specialty is distribution of play, right? Right now, for me, Bentonkur. Yes, he has developed, and I really like him. But he really doesn't particularly excel in one particular field or the other. Mm-hmm. He's right now. He's improved in all spheres of his game, but you don't. Even if you look at his World Cup games, or if you look up, take out the stats from those, even though I know stats are probably misleading, but you don't see him getting as many interceptions as you would want someone in a Juve midfield to do so, or you don't see him. Yes, there were a couple of balls played that were really, really nice. So at best, what he was doing was he was helping out with, you know, starting a play or developing his play. Which at this point in time, your main architect is Miralem Pjanic. So in, in, in that sort of aspect, you don't see, I mean, I don't see unless they groom Bentakur a bit more, I don't see him starting that many games this year as well because of that issue. Now, the main thing is going to be how they juggle Mituidi and Khadira. Because, yes, Khadira faced a lot of criticism from Juventus fans. I personally thought that the games where he stepped up, he was probably the best player on the field. Um, not, I think it's an unpopular opinion here. But I personally think that over the last two years, Khadira has done a fairly decent job. Yes, he isn't as flamboyant as you would want him to be in the midfield or he isn't, say, the true uh, replacement we always wanted for Vidal, but that's his element. So I personally think that Emre Can, I'm still on the fence. Uh, I was really, really happy when this um, transfer was announced, but when you hear Ronaldo you think everything else is underwhelming so mm-hmm. so i'm still i'm still a bit you know on the fence with regards to this midfield yes the best possible midfield is embrechan mituidi and um pianic 
playing together mm-hmm. but i think i think i think allegri might be might want to consider the 4231 formation and have just mitwidi and pjanic or emre can and pjanic in the midfield in that uh, position where one of them holds play and have the three up playing you know, like the bala coming deep and getting more involved in the play but bentancur i still think needs a bit more time to get you know uh, to be ready for the first team yeah i think bentancur probably needs uh more minutes i think especially in the league i think he he sort of featured quite sparingly and i think maybe he needs more uh time to you know just adapt to the league a little bit more and then also adapt to the champions league i know allegri threw him in at the deep end and played him in uh, against barcelona but going forward i think he's probably grown a great deal at having played a world cup and we need to decide where he fits in more than likely the 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 three man midfield is going to be bentancur uh pjanic and matuidi going forward um whether or not bentancur can actually force his way into the midfield is, is really down to mid, uh, allegri more so than anything else do you think you think ravi can be a vice pjanic I, I think he can I think but it really depends on the game and it really depends on the circumstances do you play Bentancur in in a game you know against uh, a, a sort of a lowly city app opposition or do you throw him in the deep end and hope that he can kind of adapt against a uh, a very stubborn side in the Champions League uh, you know these are the, the the kind of decisions that Allegri has to make um I think he's he's played at probably the highest level so i think he he kind of warrants our respect in that regard i think he he warrants being in the mix for a three man midfield when allegri decides to you know decide what kind of formation he makes for uh, for the league and also for for the champions league as well you see both because because i mean with with um juve already in the hunt for a midfielder um you see both Marquisio and Suarez leaving this this summer? I think more than likely they will probably both end up leaving. I think Stararo because he's uh I think Stararo has always been a fringe player. He's the kind of utility player that you can play at right back and central midfield and and maybe left midfield or right midfield. But I don't necessarily think he's the kind of guy that that can sort of be a starter necessarily i think he's the kind of guy that you bring on after result is assured I, i don't think he's the kind of guy that can bring you the result necessarily marquisio you know at, a, at an, an entirely personal level i would like him to stay i would like him to be the guy that um you know plays in the field and, and kind of brings that continuity from the old juve to the new juve but i I'm kind of resigned to him leaving to be honest. I I think we we're, we're at a stage where we will probably end up having to make some sacrifices from the old Juve to the new Juve in order purely to be competitive in the Champions League. I think City is I don't think it's a given, but I think it's it's probably you know 
not guaranteed, but I think it's closer to guaranteed. So, yeah, I, I, I have this horrible feeling that we'll end up trading Marquezio just to to accommodate the midfield and accommodate the tack for the season ahead. You think that, I mean, I for me, this this transfer business that Real Madrid has done, not just this season, not just this summer, but over the past few years, it indicates to me that Florentino Perez is already rebuilding and getting ready for the next generation. You know, when we look at Andre signings like Andre Lunin, Vinicius Jr., um, Alvaro Driozola, Rodrigo, so on and so on, indicates to me that, look, I mean, Perez isn't, isn't you know, throwing $100 million at Lewandowski or, or even... Um, or, or you know, he's not getting all these proven players. He's more like, all right, we're gonna invest in some young talent who are cheaper than usual. And I think, as a contrast, pretty much on the opposite spectrum, I think that uh, Marota is kind of doing the opposite. I think he's trying to hold on to and kind of continue to uh, preserve and elongate. The, the golden generation that Juve did. Um, I think that a large part of, a lar- I mean, not many Juve players currently are, you know, young prospects. I think Cancelo is one of them, Dybala and Sean. But apart from that, you know, maybe Perrin, but, um, you know, even he's turning 26 in a few months. So I think that it is, it is, it is kind of interesting I, I don't think that winning the Champions League for Perez's standpoint is is a is a priority anymore just because I I think that he's I mean he's won it all and I think that he's it's interesting to see him kind of tune away from the Galactico standpoint. That's the discussion for another time. But you know, in contrast, I think Marota and Paratic are really grabbing this by the horns and saying you know, this is our turn. We can, this is our window of opportunity. We can get this done. Definitely. I think this is probably a season of transition for Real. I think if you've won it three seasons in a row, you're, you're not really obligated to win it for a, for a, for a fourth season. Um, they have been more or less impeccable. They're, they're, they're the kind of team that can kind of uh, you know, go into a second half at 1-1 and then turn it on in the second half to the point where they can completely flip a game in the second half. So they've had the personnel and they've had the kind of players where they can completely decide a game, you know, regardless of whether they're ahead or whether they're behind in a second half or whether they're, you know, sort of at parity in, in uh, you know, going into second, uh, going into the second half. So maybe this season, going ahead is a season of sort of trial and error for them where they have a, a, a slightly younger team and they can experiment and they have a new manager and they have new talent and they've lost these more experienced players. So if you win the Champions League three seasons in a row, I think you don't necessarily have any kind of obligation to win it a, a fourth time in a row. I think you can say, okay, well, fair enough. We're we're going to take a season to, to kind of see how this this new squad works together and we'll try our best. But if, if we don't win, it's not the end of the world for us. I still think it's early days with regards to the transfer season is concerned. 
so real may still splash money somewhere um mm-hmm. because because you know okay losing ronaldo is something big but losing both zidane and ronaldo in one window is a big problem so he and and we know fiorentino perez is also concerned about his pr so he's going to try to manage his pr even though with the with the rules that he's introduced and the prerequisites for someone to replace him as as real president only he himself can replace himself but he there'll still be a lot of pressure on him to still you know do something with the squad so mm-hmm. i think that's one thing the other thing is that uh when we talk about these this rebuilding and looking toward looking towards the future i remember a few years ago we had the likes of kuman um and some of these really really young players and we were expecting all of them to the naturally graduate into the first team that we all wanted them to be with bonucci as their captain and now when we look back we don't have anyone from that time who's still around i don't yeah, i mean true. you remember rap they, they used to be the squad with you know rugani was one person who in fact hadn't joined us then but we were expecting him to join and there you kuman was one was one player and there were some murata we thought that you know we probably have him around for a bit as well and then berardi mm-hmm. was expected to come back so we automatically assumed that we had the next generation of excellent juve players ready but then now mm-hmm. none of them are there so yeah, i think absolutely yeah definitely i think i think maybe we've we've kind of learned from that as well i think we've we've sort of decided perhaps that we can't realistically compete for the champions league with a team that is no disrespect to them but you know sort of substandard we need to have a difference maker we need to have a player that can actually come in and is a superstar in every regard and maybe that's why we've taken this direction in terms of signing ronaldo and and maybe we're going to build a team around him in the sense that okay he's not going to start and he's not going to play in every single champion uh, uh, every single city our game and we focus more on the champions league and maybe we say okay well this the city our we've won it in seven seven years in a row now maybe we can take a break from that and we can focus more on the champions league and uh and make that a realistic objective for us so for me the likes of caldara and uh, um dishilio still offer a lot more promise right mm-hmm. and i really look forward to having them on board for a long time the same with douglas costa because i think he's also gone to other places he's played for bayern munich at the time when they were i mean invincible i still think that they last year they should have done better but when he mm-hmm. had joined them they were invincible and he was supposed to be there as a direct replacement for robert so i think he'll also with his experience so far and everything that he says he that he says he he makes all the right noises so we yeah. have this core which i think the own, the biggest benefit of having someone like ronaldo come on board is that it probably prolongs dibala's stay in the team or he probably might if if they if they click with one another there's a possibility that you see dibala and ronaldo playing together for two years right yeah. and i mean and and that's that's a huge plus 
that's a huge plus for us. So Definitely. I think, but this question, I think Zach, your main question was on Real trying to focus more on uh, you know on the future rather than in the rather than um, like us in the present. We've done all of that, and now we're sort of like very very hungry to get immediate success. Even if we get some short gap solutions, I think we're okay with that. We want. I think the Champions League has become that big an obsession for us that we want an immediate result for it. But when it comes to the long-term development, I'm a lot more excited about the Juventus B playing in Serie A C uh, next season because that means that we can then... Because what's happening in the current system is that we're not getting... Our Primavera players aren't graduating into the first team. That way... At least with exposure in Syria C, Syria B, we might get players ready who might, you know, just jump straight into the squad and at least help us in that context. So it, it's, it's, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm very optimistic, but I think we've done all our experiments to now realize that we now have the right formula going forward. Where I think in a couple of years' time, you'll still have some Primavera player coming up will be part of the team while you also go around signing top players in different positions. Yeah, and that 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 kind of aspect of this being, you know, this being Juve's window of opportunity finally. Um I that's why for me Alexandra is indispensable because I I really just don't think you know after you, you can't if you're Ronaldo you can't go from being fed from being fed with crosses by uh Donny Carvajal and and Marcelo to Joao Cancelo and Matteo Darmian. No offense, but I mean, mm-hmm. you need to kind of keep a standard. So that's why I would do everything to keep Sandro. And I really do think it's beyond all. Um, I, I want to switch off to another big story in UVA circles. Um, hasn't really been confirmed. Still varying reports on it, but Daniele Rigani to Chelsea. Um, to reunite under his former manager Maurizio Sarri for an, uh, a hefty fee, it seems like it would be forty-five or fifty million around that area. Um, what's your making of this potential move? I think it's probably a good move for um, for the player at least, because I think under Sarri he will probably play more consistently, and Sarri having you know sort of used him in the past and knows exactly what kind of player he is he knows his limitations he knows what he he knows exactly what he can and can't deliver i think it's good for rugani and probably good for sari as well i don't know how much of a, a sort of a benefit for juve it will be because we need at least five center backs depending on how we play for the season ahead um but at an individual level i think it's a good move for for uh, for rugani definitely I personally, um, I don't want this to happen. I still don't want this to happen because I've always liked Rugani. Rugani, for me, is the future or could have been the future of the Italian uh, defense going forward. And it it breaks my heart that Rugani has to go. But then, of course, when you when you make such a huge, um, you know, left field move such as the one that we've done with Ronaldo, they, obviously there are going to be certain sacrifices. But 
the talk was that if Rugani goes, they trigger the Godin clause. I don't see that happening. Mm -hmm. So, so more. I mean, Rav, you said it. This is a move where which you think is going to is going going to be is going to benefit the player. I'm not too sure about that because with the English game right now, um, with Chelsea, there's going to be a lot of media scrutiny. How mm -hmm. he handles that is going to be interesting to see because over here he was still pretty protected. He was very protected in this environment. Yes, he wasn't. I mean, he did get a lot of chances. Contrary to popular belief, this time around, I think he played a significant number of games. How many games were they? What, 25, 26? Something yeah, like that? A number, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So 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 it wasn't as if he wasn't getting uh, a chance. It was just that Benatia had a really, really good season. And mm -hmm. uh, and in, in, in certain crucial games, naturally Allegri had more faith in the experience of Barzali than in, in Rugani, right? So he didn't. So that was the issue over here. Um, I, think, I, I still don't want this to happen. I, no, no. I, I, I mean, if, if you sort of put a gun to my head, I would more be inclined to keeping Rugani than actually selling him. Um, because we need to have at least five consistent centre-backs going into the season. Um, I think with Rugani, I think the problem was that he didn't get to play consistently sort of week in, week out. I think Allegri tweaked the formation um, a hell of a lot and sort of swapped him out. And Benatia, like you said, he had a really good, um, you know, sort of he, he, he came back from international duty with a a lot of um, responsibility and, and Allegri sort of recognised that and played him alongside Chiellini and it really worked. So Bagani obviously suffered. Um, going into the season ahead, ideally I would like him to stay because then we don't have to worry too much about haggling of transfer fees. We don't have to worry about signing someone like Godin. I think Rugani will grow in time if he's given the, the, the kind of confidence from Allegri. But it's kind of hit and miss, you know. I I I just don't know where Allegri is is gonna is gonna decide. Is he gonna say, okay, well, Chiellini and Benatia are my starting centre backs, or is he gonna say, I'll mix it up and, and play Rogani in there as well? Yeah, and the thing is that with regards to the whole Chelsea thing, as I said, there's going to be so much media scrutiny if he. Uh, doesn't perform in the first three, four months. They're not that, you know, uh, accommodating when, when it comes to such players, and especially when it comes to young players. And no matter how much Maurizio Sari may like Rugani, you also need to also be mindful of the fact that the pressure that he's going to face in a place like Chelsea, where mm -hmm. even if you win a trophy, you're not guaranteed your job for the for the following year, right? He will be under a lot of pressure to make sure that they sort of like you know are pretty compact in the back, Definitely. and and I and that is why I think the only the only thing Rogani can benefit is from the potential Ingolo Kante and Jorginho pairing in the midfield, because that is the sort yeah. of midfield which every centre-back pairing loves. They provide you with the right amount of cover. 
they provide you i mean you know that okay before they reach us the line of defense before us is strong enough that we will probably won't be tested as much as you normally get tested so maybe that's that's one angle where i think rugani may prosper and georginio up front but i don't know i mean maybe it's it's the juventino in me who doesn't want him to go yeah that's 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 why i don't think he should or shouldn't yeah whatever mm-hmm. well if if he does go then you would be left with matia kalera medi banatia um giorgio cialini and andrea barzali mm-hmm. so with with barzali with you know all those players i think apart from kalera have had certain injury issues um and all of them are over the age of 30 so you wouldn't expect them to recede um do you expect would you expect if rugani leaves um you know transfer market ends on august 31st still plenty of time plenty of time to spend uh 45 50 million whatever you get from that potential rugani sale would you would you expect juventus to sign uh a, a center back possibly a center back and a midfielder or what what, what if, Rugan, if Rugani goes they will definitely go for a center back um yeah, definitely i agree yeah, with that and and, and 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 i think for caldara it's re- it would be really nice if you do get someone like godin who has been one of the best defenders of his generation more than anything else to groom him to, to you know for for him to train alongside him then 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 it's a long term situation right then if you get godin you you're this is effectively bringing him in to offer you know extra help to the likes of caldara because let's be honest godin is amazing but he is he was never that quick to begin with and he's lost a couple of yards over the last few years as well but his reading of the game is absolutely excellent so Definitely. if if rugani goes you're definitely going to get one center back Mm-hmm. I would personally right. love us going for Ramagnoli. Uh and <laughs> and really and really 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 have the red side of Milan really go against us. Interesting. Yeah. I think um I think there's definitely a possibility for that. And um yeah, go with regards to Godin, do you think that this is a real possibility to bring in Godin? I'll, I'll say this: whichever team, whichever team Diego Godin is playing on this season is winning the Champions League. <laughs> that's <laughs> definitely that's my official um, statement, and I'm sticking to it. Diego Godin. No, that's, that's, Um I'll I'll say this real quick uh just before I sign off I think as long as Juve have a very strong back line I think that's always been what we what we sort of base our success around as long as we have a strong back line we we can sort of deal with all the other aspects the very minimum with a strong back line is that you can will win Serie A but that is not really good enough now i think we have to look beyond serie a and, and we have to say okay well the champions league is our objective and i think with 
Um, with a player like Godin, you, you have plenty of options at the back line. You have five centre-backs and you're able to alternate. So the league should be won at a canter without any problems. But it's it's that kind of step beyond. And I think Godin, with his Champions League experience, can probably bring us that experience with in Europe to uh, to make the difference. Uh, just really quickly, I'm going to have to sign off now, guys. But it was it was great talking to you and uh, and Fino uh, Forza Juve. Forza Juve. Forza Juve. Forza Juve. So Haider, so Rav, thank you so much for coming on, and we hope to have you on again. Haider, uh, final thing: what what are you making? What are you uh, expecting from Juventus this season? I'm expecting the likes, uh, I, I'm hoping for the likes of Kaldara and Bernadeschi get more game time during the league and they win the league at a canter. I want that to happen because only when they will win the league at a canter can they then fully focus on the Champions League with a because even though this for the even last year they said that the main focus is on Champions League, because Napoli pushed them so close, they had no option but to also focus on the league as we went along. And with regards to the Champions League, um, yeah, final four is always something that they aim for. But with the draw of the luck, I think this time around, I want them to win, and I can expect them to win. Yep, I'm sticking to my statement. Diego Dean, whichever team that has <laughs> winning it. Um, but that's it. Thank you so much to my guests, Aaron West and Rav Dillon. And thank you, Hyder, for coming on second time. Uh, hopefully, we'll have you back uh, in less of a span than l this was. Hopefully, we'll have you back before 2019. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was great to have you on once again. And uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Forza Juve. Forza Juve. We'll definitely have to do this again. All right. Thank you to everybody who tuned in, and thank you to David Sanchez for uh, live tweeting this podcast again. Forza Juve. <laughs>